Today's episode is brought to you by MediShare, an innovative and affordable Christian alternative to health insurance. To learn more about MediShare and to find out how you could start saving hundreds of dollars per month on your health insurance, go to metashare.com slash churchpulse. That's metashare.com slash churchpulse. Welcome to the Church Pulse Weekly Podcast, featuring leadership author and podcaster, Carrie Newhoff, and Barna President, David Kinneman. This podcast delivers unprecedented insights every week into how church leaders are navigating constant change in an era of disruption and discusses new digital tools to help you stay connected in real time to the people in your church. And now, your hosts, Carrie Newhoff and David Kinneman. Welcome to Church Pulse Weekly. It's Carrie Newhoff here, and I am joined by Barna President David Kinneman. And uh, here we are. Happy New Year. Hey, Carrie. How's it going? Good. It's going really well. You just celebrated a birthday. Happy birthday, too. Thank you. Um, yeah, we got the train going by right now. It's commuter morning. Um, <laughs> but um, so, yeah, it's, uh, yes, my birthday is the same day as Jesus. And uh, at December 25th, I was always, I was always, uh, not able to get all the presents that you deserve, sort of the, the two for, you know, these are for your Christmas and your birthday. And the thing is now I really appreciated being having a birthday on Christmas because I'm always with family. There's always a lot of NBA basketball games on, uh, just sit in front of the TV. I usually work on a Lego set, which is just like my, my little happy space, um, hanging out with family. And then we usually do like a Christmas breakfast and then my birthday dinner, which, you know, the, the funny story and legend within my family is that, um, we're lucky if it's actually on my birthday when we eat dinner and when we have the cake, because it's by the time everyone finishes opening presents, having having Christmas breakfast, uh, you know, it's like nine, ten, eleven p.m. And <laughs> sometimes we're <laughs> sometimes we're singing singing Happy Birthday um, after after the birthday has actually expired. But that's all right. I, I, I give them a pass because I am just like the Messiah and give everyone my my true and utter forgiveness. So much grace. So, so much, much grace. grace. <laughs> and you never have to work on your birthday, which is really cool, right? Yeah, that's true. And it's uh, the whole world like, actually pauses for you, which is right. it must be hard not to let that go to your head, David. Well, I mean, I have joked that it's it helps to explain my Messiah complex. <laughs> Being born on Christmas Day. Well, happy birthday, man. And uh, we're on the cusp of another new year in the middle of, uh, you know, once again, more disruption, more crisis. And that's why we started this podcast. For those of you who have joined us a little bit uh, later in the narrative, we launched this sor- shortly after the world closed down in early 2020, thinking it was going to be a six-month project of trying to figure out which end is up. And so here we are heading into year three of crisis. And uh, we're excited to have Dave Lomas with us. We'll talk a little bit uh, with him later. But as usual, we have some statistics that we are diving into. And I mean, we're kind of joking around and having fun, but I, I, I don't know about you, David, I really feel the heaviness uh, for leaders and particularly for pastors of heading into year three of crisis and having to deal with all this uncertainty. And just when we thought we were out of the woods, Omicron, a word nobody knew a month and a half ago, is even even those of us who who did well in Greek, Greek right. were like, wait, which one was that again? Omicron, <laughs> Omicron. Okay, okay. I won the prize, but I thought it was Omicron, just like I can't pronounce Cabo. <laughs> anyway, never mind. Um, but but you know, here we are, and and I'm very concerned for the toll that this is taking on leaders and on the church. And so we're just gonna partner with you and we're gonna try to be here and bring you some relevant conversations and some data to help us find our way in the midst of the mess. I think what's so hard for leaders today, I know I'm feeling this and have for the last few years, certainly leading Barna and just a lot of a lot of life, but um it feels like when when you finally have a little glimmer of hope. And maybe a, maybe a big glimmer of hope that things can change that the, that you've turned the t- turned the corner you know that the tide is is going out that that there's you know s- some hopeful reality around the corner um, you know and then and then sort of like the rug is pulled out from under you you know there's a sense in which oh wait you know now we have to go back under mandates or you know some some other kind of reality and again we're all sort of I think more depleted than we would hope to be. Um, certainly church leaders that we hear from, you know, there's many, many who are doing, doing pretty well, but there's just a lot of, a lot of challenges. You know, so many people have, have left, they haven't come back. We've talked on the show uh, around the fact that so many leaders, you know, people just disappeared and uh, the toll that that takes emotionally on, 
us as leaders when you know people that we thought we were we were close to just sort of uh, vanished. Um, so lot, lots to to think through here, and you know we're we're both really hopeful about where the church is going and these new opportunities. We'll be talking about that with D- Dave Lomas, but also you know just realistic. Like it's a tough time for yeah. for yeah. leaders, and and um, paying attention to that part of our interior world is. I think really, really important to find the the resilience uh, in in the Lord first, and then in, in friendships, and and then in you know in our calling. Yeah. Well, you've got some stats for us today. Why don't we uh, go through them, and uh, then we'll we'll bring Dave in. Yeah, sounds good. Well, we'll on the subject of friendships, um, when we asked pastors about their closest friend or friends, fifty eight percent said that this person was a pastor in another city or town. Uh, 31% said this was a person uh, of another church in their city, and 44% said this was a person in their church. So you can see the adds to more than 100% because they could click more than one um, option. Um, but you can see there's there's some interesting dynamics there. Again, it's not wrong to have your closest friend in your church, but that that does raise you know some challenges, right, in terms of how you how you think about that. <clears throat> and then in terms of satisfaction with friendships. Only one in five pastors rated their satisfaction with friendships as excellent. We've talked about this stat before on the show, and 12% rated it as below average or poor. So one in eight are ranking it uh, in in this uh, in this way. Um, so you know, anyway, I think this this sense of how we talk about that loneliness, you know, is a big deal. 60% of Protestant pastors frequently or sometimes feel lonely. That's again, I think it's just good that we can admit it. Um, I think this is such a great moment. Um, it, in, in, it sounds funny, but like in light of all the mental health challenges, in light of all these relational challenges and, and sort of social isolation that we've we've been through, I think one of the great aspects of our current environment is that uh, people are pretty honest. Leaders are pretty pretty honest. They're, they're they're able to click a box on our surveys, telling us they're lonely. Um, you know, I, I think it's actually a huge opportunity with millennials and Gen Z. Something also we've talked on the show that you know they're they're pretty open. They're pretty willing to talk about just about anything. And they don't see mental health or you know some of these questions as taboo, which I believe is just such a, an important opportunity for the church. You know, on the weekend, uh, we were away for an overnight just nearby, a couple hours away in the Niagara region with some friends of ours, just two couples that we track pretty closely with. And a couple of them are doctors and uh, drove down with them. We all rapid tested just to make sure nobody had Omicron, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it's so exhausting for healthcare professionals. And it was funny because we were having breakfast. We had dinner together, hung out, and then we had breakfast the next morning before Elle took off. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they were just saying it felt like an oasis in the desert, you know, having to go back to the challenges of healthcare in the crazy environment that that's been. And we just were all, we were all texting each other that day about how grateful we are for the friendship that we have. And I don't know about you, but like, like to me, Deep, authentic friendships are like a reset. If you have some really good quality time, it's like, okay, I can live to see another day. Like I can, yeah. I can do this again for a little bit longer and, and not to over-spiritualize it, but I think that's one of God's gifts. And so that's my hope for leaders as we head into 2022, that they would find some more friendships. Also, David, uh, you and I are together with the whole team at Barna. Um, very excited about the state of your church, which is happening in early 2022. Do you want to tell us about it a little bit? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, um, you know, for for more than three decades now, Barna Group has been focusing on state of the church. And the last couple of years, we've been working on a lot of different tools and resources and ways of thinking about the state of your church or the state of my church, the kind of more like sort of congregational level of understanding what's happening in the in the pews, in the people that you're you're serving, um, and so we've been talking on the show and other things through the last couple of years of the flourishing of people. How can we measure how well people are doing um, beyond just whether they show up? Because turns out that's not the only way to measure or to look at what's happening. Uh, and then the thriving of organizations and the health of our leaders, or or the health of us as leaders. So anyway, state of your church will be a free webcast. It's designed for you to bring your whole team around. Uh, we've got a long tradition Barna has of providing sort of free content to leaders to try to help them make sense of their reality and to lead forward. And so we're so excited um, to, to be able to come alongside you as leaders. So make sure you register at barna.com slash state of your church, barna.com slash state of your church. And Carrie will be there. I'll be there. Uh, we'll have a lot of different guests and uh, we'll be sharing some new research. So can't wait to see you there. Okay, great. Well, uh, I'm excited to have Dave Lomas 
On the, the uh, podcast today, Dave is currently the teaching and vision pastor of Reality San Francisco. He started ministry in 1997 and was ordained at the age of 21 as a youth pastor after serving vocationally for ministry in 10 years. He and his wife planted Reality SF in 2010. Dave's also written a book called The Truest Thing About You, a project that came from his lessons pastoring through the first few years at his church. Dave, welcome. Hi, Carrie, David. So good to be with you all. Thanks for joining us, Dave. Yeah, so Carrie, you might know, not, know, not know this, but uh, Dave and I um, are some of those friends. We hang out with some frequency. Um, we're both here on the West Coast. He's up in uh, in San Francisco or SF. A little known fact is that locals call it SF, not San Fran. So, no. so that's that's in San Fran. Oh, there you no, go. Frisco is making a comeback. Yeah, people calling it Frisco. It's coming back. Frisco. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, so Dave and I have uh, a lot of of, of uh, fun there. My my oldest daughter lives up in the Bay Area, and then um, and then in addition, we've attended for many years uh, a, a church that's part of the the family of church churches that Dave um, is is pastoring called Reality. So um, so it's a, a wonderful wonderful church community and um, started by. Britt and Kate Merrick here in Carpinteria, California. So um, yeah, uh, I consider Dave one of one of one of my good friends. That's right. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I feel privileged to be part of the conversation today. So, uh, any reaction to the data? Let's talk about friendship because uh, that has been a theme on a couple of episodes lately here on Church Pulse Weekly. Um, when you think about the role of of friends, um, looking back at what's kind of gotten you through the last two years. What what role has that played? And then what are some of the missteps maybe that you had in friendship? I know I definitely have had some missteps. Friendships I thought were real that kind of dissolved. And, you know, a lot of leaders have had that. People who've left the church that you thought, hey, man, these guys were my friends. Like, what when you look back on the last two years through the lens of friendship, what would have been some of the highs and lows for you, Dave? Well, um, I'm someone that like, uh, gives myself to friendships. Like I think I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for friendships. And so uh, I kind of, I try to see friendships as something very loyal. Like if you're a close friend of mine, we're going to be loyal um, like to the end. So when I, when I think of the last two years, uh, really it's been friendships that have like gotten me through the last two years, especially friendships with pastors. Like I have some really, really close friendships with pastors and um the commiseration that happens uh, is so invaluable. Like to be able to, to be as honest as you, as you, without any sort of like holding anything back or trying to impress this other person to be able to be as honest um, as you need to be with them uh, and still be loved. And them saying that like groan on the other side of the phone that, "Mm, yes, that, how we're all afraid of getting canceled in 2020. And then we're all afraid of like no one coming back in 2021. Like those things that you're able to share. Um, they've been huge. I mean, friendships are, and then uh, sneaking away, like planning things together where you're, when you meet up and you like spend a spend a weekend together or a few days together um, has been huge. It's been kind of everything. So I have a group of friends that I journey with. Um, I think, you know, I'm like 43 now. I, I think of like, I started a lot of the friendships that I have in my thirties and um, I kind of think, you know, finding friends early and then keeping them for the rest of your life and growing deeper is like the goal for a lot of, a lot of the friends that, that I have. So uh, 2022 and 2020 or 2020 and 2021 has accelerated the depth of our like commitment to each other. So. Yeah. Does some of that, and and if my research is incorrect, just, uh, you know, correct me, but um you're involved with like what John Mark Comer, John Tyson, like the Sea Rock sessions. You're involved in that is some of that part of your 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 friendship circle. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, we started Sea um, Rock several. I mean, gosh, eight years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea of Sea Rock was um, uh, we have we all lead similar churches in similar places, kind of globally, and. Um, how do we commit ourselves to each other to, to serve Christ faithfully over a long period of time? Um, that, that was the goal. Like if we want to make it to like when we're in our 70s uh, and still be doing this faithfully, we have to make sure that we're around people that will, will like be guardrails for us. Like all of us communal guardrails, like keep us theologically faithful and faithful to our 
to the ministry and faithful to our vocation and all of that stuff. So out of that group of Sea uh, Rock, Sea um, Rockers, I don't know what word we don't, I don't know what we call each other, but out of that Sea <laughs> Rock friendship, um, there's like maybe three of them that I'm like in deep, deep friendship with, like weekly call type friendship with, like family vacations together friendship with. And then the other ones I see annually, sometimes more than annually, but we stay in, in contact. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I think there's a lot of leaders listening who would say, okay, invite me into the Sea Rock sessions, please, Dave. Like I want in, right? Which, which doesn't necessarily work. But I think, I think the thing about when you started the Sea Rock sessions with John Mark and John Tyson and people like that, you were just friends trying to figure it out together, right? That's so right. What, what advice would you have? For leaders who are like, I need that. What you just described in a couple minutes, I need it. I don't have it. How do? You, how would you even start? How? How would you begin? That's a great question. It's actually a similar question that we're finding with small groups in our church in a transient city yeah. like San Francisco. Is that you need to have a starting point together. If you have a starting point together, you guys are all asking the same questions. You're trying to figure it out together, and that itself is like this glue that like binds you together. So. Um, Unbeknownst to me, John Mark and I planted our church on the exact same day, him in Portland, me in San Francisco. We didn't know each other until a few years later. We met in Chicago. And um, and and Tyson, very similar, planted and replanted and planted again. Mm-hmm. He's planted a few churches in New York. <laughs> he has. And, um, yeah. and, uh, and right around the similar time in very similar cities. And so I think right now, if like if I was starting something and I try to reach out to John, it'd be more like a mentor me sort of thing, which is valuable. But we're talking about friendship. So it's finding the, the, the people, the men or women that are in very similar situations as you. And then like, hey, let's, let's just collaborate together and see what happens. That's usually where it starts. Let's collaborate together. Let's, um, let's learn from each other. Let's, um, let's, for us, it was, let's, I want to invite you out to my church. I'll go to your church, whatever, that sort of thing, that pulpit swap thing. It's that collaboration is, is really, really key. You have to be able, willing to like, and have a hunger. And most young leaders are to learn. Um, and uh, to like lear- learning how to put your ego aside to so, like, I'm not the person who has it figured out and I'm going to tell you everything. It's like mutually like learning from each other. Like, what are you learning? This is what I'm learning and sharing documents. Like there's so many documents that fly that early on that flew back and forth. Like I meet with John and John, just a fount of wisdom. Like he has so much documents and so much wisdom. I'm like, John, send me everything on your, um, on your Dropbox, just send me your Dropbox link. I want all the <laughs> stuff you have, that sort of thing. And like, we'll do something like send me that link you know, or send me that document. It's like that sort of thing. You're sending and learning each, from each other. And then what happens is the friendship forges like over time. It took, um, it just, t- it just takes time. So I, but I say starting together, that's the thing, starting together. Well, that's the thing. If I can insert an editorial comment, because I've thought about this a lot. It's like, we all want to be in with people who are well-known. It's like, oh, you know, if John Tyson would be my friend, then my life would be a lot better. But the reality is, you know, he's got a full plate. The guy down the road or the woman down the road who is near you as a leader is far more likely to have lunch with you than, you know, someone that maybe has a, a slightly larger profile. So I think that's a really good word along the way. Yeah, I think of John Mark and I joke a lot of time. We meet, I mean, obviously just a, a lot of pastors and a lot of people. And we kind of joke that we're not necessarily looking for new friends. We're, we're like, we're early 40s. We have really good friends and we want to be faithful and growing long and deep with these friends. We're not necessarily looking for brand new friends. Sometimes they happen and they're like this kindred and it's pretty amazing. But, um, but people like learning how to find those people that are in a, a similar place that are looking for that sort of thing. Because who knows, those those people will be the next John Tyson or the next John Mark or whatever. Cool. Um, and that's that's the thing that when we started C-Rock Sessions, so C-Rock is different than C-Rock Sessions. C-Rock is oh. our like um, group of 12, 13 guys that meet every year. And then from that, after meeting seven years, decided we need to like help spread this and just give this away. Um, so we opened it up to like 100 leaders, hoping that they would start their own sort of like they would meet their people. And through that, they would begin their own like cohort of, of leaders and grow together. So that was the idea. And we'll, hopefully we might keep them going. We, we don't know yet. Today's episode is brought to you by MediShare, an affordable Christian alternative to health insurance that saves typical families around $500 a month. That's a month. 
the past couple of years have reminded us that we should never take good health for granted. And we know that the cost of health insurance can be a significant financial stressor for leaders and for the families they serve. MediShare is a great alternative that has been helping Christians solve this problem for nearly 30 years. Through their services, MediShare members share in each other's medical bills and pray for one another. Over $1 billion was shared in the past year alone. Plus, every member has unlimited access to free telehealth and virtual counseling sessions, a great resource for both leaders and members in your church. And like I mentioned earlier, the typical family on MediShare saves around $500 a month when they switch from their traditional insurance. As you're well aware, it's open enrollment season. That means right now, it's the best time to make the switch. So to learn more about MediShare and see how much you could save, go to metashare.com slash churchpulse. Again, that's metashare, M-E-D-I-S-H-A-R-E dot com slash churchpulse. And now back to the interview. I'm listening in on this and, and uh, so, so much good stuff. And I'm also at um, a, a season of my life where I'm um, thinking about this sort of like, that. I'm just ordered, I haven't read it yet, but called, a book called The Middle Passage. And sort of this idea of um, midlife and, you know, I'm, you know, now, now 48 <laughs> uh, at the, at, as, as of, uh, uh, as of this last birthday. And so I'm, I'm totally with you, Dave. I also wonder if about this idea of growing deeper in relationships, I'm at a spot in life where lots of things are, you know, changing. Many listeners will know my, my wife passed away now almost a year and a half ago. And, you know, like that, that's obviously changed a lot in my life and and there's just a lot of things. But I, I've been talking to a mentor of mine the last few few weeks about um, how easy it is for us as leaders to sort of get stuck in our ways and not to learn and grow and evolve. And so while I completely agree with you with this question, this question of, you know, go deep with friends, I also think we should be really open to being surprised in different seasons of our life because it's very easy as human beings age, I, you know, there's this, there's, I think this myth that we become more mature as we get older. I think that <laughs> can be true. I also think uh, I often describe it's like many of the older people that I see, and I see these little, little sh- uh, strands in my life. Now they become caricatures of themselves. It's like, you know, they, like if you guys have heard or seen, you know, a speaker who's been on the, on the circuit, you know, who's been, who's been out for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Right. And it's like, you're hearing the same material that you heard the same shtick and it's just like i've been asking the lord a lot in this season for you know fresh fresh vision new friends um you know like it's it's never too late to sort of start again um and again some of that's in my own just journey but um anyway i just i wonder what you guys think about that i'd, I'd love to hear from both of you guys about you know the 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 fine pa- the fine balance between you know attending what's old and and sacred to us and in, in terms of friendship or place or any of it versus leaning in on what God's doing new in our lives and being open to being surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'd say to that, I, I 100% agree with that. There's no category for like, it's hard because friends is such a huge bucket, right? Sure. So yeah, I, I have new friends all the time and there's some really, really fresh energy that comes from meeting new folks and spending time with them, getting their perspective on life. Um, and I think that's great um, and good. Like I still do that. So I'm not like saying don't do that. I 100% agree. Because um, I had some, I had some, uh, I was had some uh, little posters printed out from Dave Lomes, like make no new friends. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a hot take. Um, I I would say there is something, especially for leaders, where because a lot of leaders like you know they just they love that they love fresh energy. They love meeting new people and then gleaning and learning and from all these new folks, but are there people that have known you since, you know, before anyone else knew you and have known your marriage and seen this long obedience in the same direction, which, um, which we, we started Z-Rock at Eugene Peterson's house. So it's like that sort of thing. Like that was our, our thing. Like we're at his house visiting him. Um, I think it was a year and a half before he passed. And we're like, we want this long obedience, the same direction together so that, we, we watch each other's lives over a long period of time. There is yeah, something really. about that history that is important. Yet, I was just met new friends on Friday night at a restaurant that was incredible. It was like a communal restaurant we went to and like swapping numbers at the end and meeting new people that had no idea who I was or who our church was really and just 
so that kind of and there's so much new fresh energy that's that stuff's really really fun as well yeah that's good. i agree with dave i've got like almost a decade on you david and decade and a half on you i'll be 57 in march and you know it is interesting because i think the character thing is real I also think what often happens, particularly in your 50s, it starts in your 40s, but you become very cynical. It can because you've seen everything. You're now on round eight of whatever you happen to be doing. And you your world naturally starts to get a little bit smaller. So I'm I'm kicking against that. I'm trying to really treasure the great relationships, but be open to new things. And I think surrounding yourself with new relationships and younger staff can really help. Some of the big changes we're going through in my company this year, I didn't think of. I, I don't have that kind of imagination, but my younger team members do. And if you take them seriously and you kind of reinvent yourself, um, it's an awful lot of fun. And I do really enjoy new. I love the future, but I think I think it has to be a discipline you cultivate at this point. Um, that's That's really important. And it seems to me like um, part of our challenge as ministry leaders is, um, I'll just use a phrase that, that's not always exactly true, but just for the sake of it, it's like a disposable relationships because there's some transactional nature in you know what people can do for us. Um, and, and if we're being honest, sometimes that's just part of it. You know, people, we, we want them to come to the church. We want them to be on a board. We want them to be, we want them to be part of our, you know, uh, sort of self-aggrandizement project. <laughs> And, and I think there is something really valuable with people that don't need anything from us, that can't offer us anything, that see us for who we are, all of our, uh, you know, sort of eccentricities. So, so I think the longer uh, those relationships can, can last, where there is nothing to be gained and nothing to be lost, um, that's great. Um, in fact, we were just yesterday with uh, one of my dear friends who, ironically enough, he's, he's been a pastor to me. He's been a, 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 be- a type of best friend named Doug Colby. Uh, he's been um, just just an incredible friend, and and twenty something years ago when we met, we met over hamburgers, and I was and I told him literally, I was like, hey, you know, Doug, I'm not sure if I have space to make new friends, but I just want you to know, like, I, I'm cheering for you here at the church. <laughs> we laugh still. He hugged me yesterday. He's like, I guess I guess I'm glad we made it through the early days of you know your your filters there, Dave, and uh, he's he's become a dear friend. So that's good. Well, that is, you know, as somebody who's now almost six years, over six years out of the lead pastor seat, it's really, and that's why I think these relationships are so important, Dave. You know, if you ended up, I'm sure you're going to lead your church for years to come, but if Reality SF disappeared tomorrow, you would still have those friendships. It is not conditional on it. And, you know, I went from leading a church that three or 4,000 people would call home to not leading a church anymore. And it's funny, you move from three or 4,000 people that you're in some form of relationship with to a handful who turn out to actually be your friends. And I think that's a really sobering lesson because you don't realize it, but as David, as you were saying, you know, yeah, these people were people that were your friends because they were on your board or, you know, they were top donors or they were volunteers or they were new people at the church or they were in your small group or whatever. But it's really been clarifying, um, you know, I... I, I I think about it, it's like I tell leaders, hey, they're not actually your friends. Like, be friendly to them. But you got to realize when you got nothing to give, you're not in that position anymore. Who is left? And fortunately, I mean, two, two of the folks that we were with this past weekend were, yeah, he was an elder and, you know, all that. But it's our friendship has survived all of that to the point where, you know, it's just a friendship, which is the best. It's just so good. So, well, um, I have a feeling this is starting to feel a lot like dinner where we could just talk for hours. But uh, I, there are a few questions I want to hit, uh, Dave, before uh, we let you go. I want to talk about preaching and I want to talk about model. Those are questions I really want to drill down on in um, this new season of Church Pulse Weekly. Um, has preaching changed at all during the pandemic for you? And if so, how? That's a great question. Uh, and I'm not just saying that. It's legitimately good. I had to think about that. Um, uh, a lot this week. Well, Lauren on the Barna team came up with that one. So Lauren, shout out to you. Okay. It's a good question. You know, and the funny thing is I've actually been thinking about it for the last month, but I, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't put my finger on, on that as being the question I was asking. <laughs> here's, here's how it's changed. Um, you know, I, like a lot of people that started their churches 10, 15 years ago, um, have been, and even today have been a disciple of uh, Tim Keller, like just mm. of, 
thoroughly um, learned um, how to pastor in a city from Tim, Pastor Tim. And um, one of the things that he said early on, and I remember reading this and hearing it from him, is that preach to the city, preach to people that are not, not in the room yet and um, handle their arguments and their presuppositions and that sort of thing. And I did that. I tried, I, I tried really, really hard to do that. And when I couldn't do uh, a good job, I would just take something he said that was good and said, oh, this is what Keller said. <laughs> um, and uh, it, is, it's, it works. It literally works um, because people invite their friends and people, blah, blah, blah. Um, the pandemic, I changed that. I just was actually trying to put my finger on this last month. I'm like, what has changed in my, something's different in the way I even study. And I, but that has, um, has shifted for me in the last uh, two years now. And the way it shifted is because first of all, we were, we were virtual for uh, until uh, July of this year. So we were virtual for a minute. Um, And, um, and because of we were virtual, no one was in the room. So before I was like, preaching to people that were in the room, but people that were not in the room. And then all of a sudden there was no one in the room. I'm like, who am I even preaching to? I'm preaching to, first of all, I was preaching to this like statue bird that was in my living room when I was at home. And then it was into this like small staff audience. And anyway, um, I don't want to get triggered right now. So I'm going to move beyond <laughs> that memory. Um, but then what I really, how it really shifted is that I, I was thinking of the people who, who were not, who were at our church that were at our church through thick and thin, obviously like, like all the stuff and the amenities of our church and the gathering and the, like seeing people and the free coffee and blah, 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 all this stuff, like connection, all that's gone. It's just like songs and sermon on on a video and people that were there were only people that really wanted to be there. So I was, my preaching shift to saints, like I'm teaching people in our church and I'm teaching them to be resilient during this time and I'm encouraging them. And so I wasn't, and this wasn't a conscious thing. It was a subconscious thing. I shifted to teaching to the entire city, to teaching just the, the slice of the city that was at our church. Um, and I'm, and I've just even picked up on that in the last, you know, five months since we've been back in person, just like, I, I, I don't even think I shifted away from that. It's just something that I'm very hmm. becoming conscious of now. Do you, look, look, this is a leading question. So feel free to disagree. Do you think, because I hear what you're saying. I mean, I preached for over 20 years, 25 years almost at our church as uh, you know, the lead pastor and then founding teaching pastor. And I'm just going back to do two weeks in January, and that might be it for 2022. I don't know. I'm wrestling with, am I still a preacher or not? I'm trying to figure that out. Um, but I feel like it has changed. And I, I want to suggest to you, because I agree, you know, we're trying to reach the city, but people were on with their merry lives prior to the pandemic. Some were good, some were bad. Some people were going through divorce. Some people were going through economic difficulty. Uh, But everybody kind of had their default. Their life was going, and then they had spiritual questions. And I feel with these cascading crises that we've had, I wonder if what you're really doing now is pastoring everybody, whether they're churched or unchurched, that people are coming to you bandaged and broken and fragile, and that maybe what you're doing is just kind of like, enveloping them? I don't know. Does that resonate or am I off? Yeah. Yeah. I think that does. Yeah. Because I, before I would, the way that I would structure a sermon would be around, I mean, obviously reading all the articles, reading all the stuff and keep my ear to the ground and like, what, what's coming up out of the city and then like taking this topic or text and like, what are, what do people assume about this text and how in the world can I insert the kingdom of God um, in this text to where, anyway, I was be doing, uh, this is how I was thinking about it, but now it's shifted. Yeah, you're right, Carrie. It shifted to go like people are hurting and they need the comfort that comes from, uh, from the kingdom of God. And they need to learn how to live in the kingdom of God in such a way that when they recite Psalm 23, it's, it's their life. Like they actually are, um, they're, they're living with God in such fellowship. They can say, um, I lack nothing. Um, because the Lord's hmm. my shepherd, like that sort of, like, I want that to be true of my church. And so I'm trying to teach them with that lens to go, how do you live in the King of God in such a way in turbulent times that you can say this and be with God in this way? So yeah, there, it's completely shifted. Yeah. There was almost a resistance. Like people were dragged to church and I don't think anyone's getting dragged to church anymore. I think people who come there have a curiosity. You know, if you think about in the old days, people used to talk about, the scale of zero being total atheist and 10 being committed Christian. 
people would come to church, you know, when they were a three or a four, you know, down the spectrum. And now I don't know whether that's so true or whether people, the people who were threes are now fives or sixes. It's like, I don't know. There's just something in that. Well, I feel like so many, so many of the spiritual questions are being reframed and we're, we're seeing, you know, just from a social researcher point of view, the fact that, you know, we've joked about this, like people just weren't that into the church. And so, you know, a lot of people who, for whom this was, um, you know, kind of just a part, part of their social activities. And that's not even a, a negative. I think there's some formation that can happen just through people showing up, but it seems like we're doing some research. Hopefully we'll launch this year, but just like what are the different segments of people and how they have changed. And, you know, among the people that have sort of been, they were there and not there now, you know, some are just sort of pursuing other kinds of avenues. They're, they're realizing actually George Barna predicted this, you know, more than 20 years ago, this book called revolution, where he said, you know, people are going to be going to house churches and their spiritual input and output isn't going to be mediated through a local congregation. He got, you know, roundly chastised for some of that, maybe, maybe for good reason, maybe not. Uh, But he really predicted this idea that spiritual input and output would be changing. And I think the pandemic really accelerated a lot of that. I mean, more than half of millennials before the pandemic were using podcasts, um, you know, sort of YouTube and other sorts of forms of, of, you know, digital church. I mean, like not necessarily having to go to church and we'd, we'd sort of we'd grease the skids because that was sort of what we do in the content distribution business as local, local pastors. Right. So, um, I think that was, um, was interesting, but I think anyway, I feel like the the whole set of questions that are happening, uh, related to, you know, how are people experiencing and expressing their spiritual questions? I think you're, you're sort of onto something there, Carrie, like people who might've been at a seven, you know, there's, there's whole different ways now, I think of looking at that, which, which by the way, you know, where people are on and their spiritual journey, which by the way, is part of what we're trying to tackle on this um, state of your church webcast, just to kind of remind you all of that, that it's, we're trying to give you as leaders, like a a different set of tools to think about what you're trying to do to transform lives. And it's not just whether people showed up. We, we never really were into that business anyway, but we kind of backed our way into, you know, figuring out our success based on uh, the size of our church. But anyhow, I just think it's a, it's a, it's a, an, especially present question for us is like, how do we really know what's happening in the lives of our ministry, of the people we minister to and in our congregations, the, the institutional part of it, uh, which is this whole flourishing and thriving part of, of, of I think, uh, what's going to be helpful. So, No, good insights, David. And I remember saying in the, the first year of this podcast during 2020, your thought prediction based on what you're seeing and feeling is that 20% of churches might disappear during the pandemic. That probably is accurate, but nobody expected this many people to disappear from our churches, which leads me to the final question I want to ask you, which is church model. I think now, you know, we've all been, (laughs) we've seen the shock and trauma of, you know, the upside down world of the last couple of years heading into year three of this. And clearly there are probably emerging now parts of the model of church that most of us would have embraced that we would say aren't working anymore. And then some experiments or rethinking around parts of our model. And simply by, you know, some people would be like, I don't have a model of church. Well, you're not having a model of church. It's actually a model of church. Like we, I'm not saying, oh, I follow this or I follow that. I'm just saying we all have a way we do church. We all have a methodology. And some of the old methods clearly are probably broken. And then there are new methods that are emerging. And of course, the goal is to adapt the method so you preserve the mission. The mission is the same. The methods change. What are you seeing at Reality SF uh, for you with that, Dave? Like, what, what would you say is now you're like, I'm pretty much ready to pronounce this broken and here's what we're trying and we're seeing traction. And it's okay if you're like, no, we're not seeing traction anywhere. You are in the world of most leaders. So we're just trying to discern that. Yeah. Well, what I am still trying to figure out how hybrid church um, how you disciple through hybrid church, yeah. like part online, part in person. You know, we at Reality, um, on purpose, we did this. This was a conscious effort to reject everything technological at our church. Not everything, obviously, but most things technological at our church because our city was inventing all these technologies. And it was almost like a kind of a punk rock way of going. 
and they liked it too. They're like, I work, I know I work for the man. I know I work for, you know, Facebook and it's evil and what a blah, blah, blah. But, and, and I, that's how I'm making a living. And that's, I'm trying to change it from the inside. You had all these people saying that I've met people that said that so many different times. And, um, and, and like, and then when I go to church, I love that we're kind of punk rock and that we reject this technology. So we didn't do any live stream. We didn't do, we we're just like in the room, you're in the room, you're in the room. That was it. And we didn't embrace technology. And then you had to, we had to embrace it. Um, and now we're in this hybrid where I still feel like we can't let it go because it serves so many people that still don't feel safe in a room, you know? Mm-hmm. So now it's out of like love. I'm still trying to figure out literally how to actually disciple through hybrid church. Um, that's, and what's broken there is like, I don't, I don't know if it's broken. It's just, it's just not, it's, it just, it was never there for me. So I don't know how to even say it was broken. It's just, I can't figure it out how to make it go. I can't make it, can't figure out to make it live. How do you disciple, um, in a hybrid, in a hybrid model, the way that I see, uh, church, um, and this is just me and my, my, my opinion is that it needs to be people long for like the incarnational, real flesh and blood body embodied, embodied embodiment. Um, we live, we live in a city. I live in a city where, uh, more and more and more the body is becoming obsolete and people are writing articles about it. There's podcasts about it, meaning we don't need a body. We just need to upload our consciousness. We need to get rid of our bodies. Our bodies are weights. They're, they call them meat suits. Our bodies are meat suits and they don't do anything for us. They actually weigh us down. We don't need our bodies anymore. We work on computers and we can, if we can just get rid of our fingers and just hyperlink this, this, I mean, this is the matrix, right? If we just hyperlink this, this computer into our brains and just use our brains to do the thing, um, I mean, this is like a lot of the conversation happened around Silicon Valley. And um, yeah, and there is just, can, can I add a little bit of context yeah, before you finish that before? And because and, I listen perhaps to similar podcasts, right? But when we look at AI, you are talking about emerging with humanity with HI. I know that's going to sound like heretical and everything, but this idea that your brain actually interacts with AI and, um, you know, artificial intelligence, away you go. So this is not some crazy thing. Uh, and we're heading into the era of the metaverse. So excursus finished, continue. Sorry for the yes. interruption. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think my theology says that the body is good and embodied reality. Are, are, we were given a body for a reason. And because of that, the, I think the church has to move toward, again, this is my opinion, a more embodied presence. So how does that then coincide with the model of virtual church. And, and that's some, I honestly don't have the answers to these questions. I just, I believe for me, for our church, because we have such an AI push and because more and more people are being indoctrinated by like the body, whatever with the body, it doesn't matter what we do with our bodies, where the, where our theology says the body is active, is very, very important. And God becoming flesh, which we just celebrate on Christmas, God becoming flesh, becoming human. Um, shows that the body is good and the resurrection of the body shows that the body is good. And so how does our church show that? And I think, um, again, I was just at a dinner party, a friend of mine opened a new restaurant in San Francisco. And the idea of this restaurant is this one giant communal table, two seatings a night, and you're around random strangers eating incredible food, but you're having conversations. And I mean, I was sitting around a bunch of tech people and they were loving this. This is like, they're like, they're like, this is our thing. Like we've done everything in, in San Francisco. This is, we want this, we want genuine connection. And it's just interesting. I think oh, wow. if you're asking me where, where the church is going to innovate, I think this is it. I think with, uh, with millennials, Gen Y, like this, this generation come up, they're long, they're going to long for this. Of course, they're going to have their digital life. They're going to have that, what they long for, what we've learned from the matrix and ready player one and all these, like, you know, these like prophetic, um, sci-fi things is that we long for embodied connection. So I think if as much as the church can be thinking about that as we're hybriding and innovating and all that stuff, but thinking where's this going to ultimately go, this ultimately will go back to embodied presence. How do we try to stay ahead of the curve and creatively get there first? Um, that's kind of how I'm thinking. So I don't know if that answered your question, Carrie, but that's the stuff I've been thinking about around that question. One of the things that that um, sparks for me <clears throat> is um, this idea that's been rattling around my head for two or three years is that uh, with all the dystopian fiction 
uh, you know, you mentioned Ready Ready Player One, and you know, it goes back even to like Blade Runner, and and you know, lo lots of different movies. I mean, it's a whole genre. Um, uh, Hunger Games. I actually think part of what could be a real opportunity for us as as communicators and as leaders is to help, especially younger generations. But I think this is true of anybody who's just got a a, a basis, a, a, a small basis of of knowledge on pop culture. But I think those are actually um, sort of prophetic um, ways of understanding humanity, technology, government, you know, control. I mean, even 1984. Uh, my son, a few years ago, was just enraptured by that book. He's, he said, Dad, I want you to read this. I never happened to read 1984, and we read it together. And it was just a fascinating, it became a real topic of conversation, you know, through, through a lot of different things, um, you know, in terms of, of truth and, you know, like er erasing ideas and, and, um, and so I think there's actually a moment for us as leaders to use, to use uh, story and, and pop culture story and, and especially dystopian fiction to say, what are the deeper principles this is teaching us about how, how the scriptures, I mean, I call it digital Babylon, but how the, the scriptures give us a lens to understand some, some deeper truths about why these stories have resonance, like why, why the Hunger Games sort of, it's, it's not a story about a pandemic, but it's a story about society you know being built on a set of presuppositions and all of those being ruined and now we're all in different districts separated based on our utility our utility um and and so i wonder if there's you know sort of preaching through or communicating through it doesn't even have to be a sermon series but there's a sense i think um in which what i see in in our data is that people are so hungry for for connection and for connecting all of these you know elements of life loss in a day, if you posted on Instagram, you lost your lost your mom very recently. Um, you know, health and public health, um, government. I mean, there's like there's some story even deeper than the vax, anti-vax, mask, no mask. There's some story about all of us trying to like control something in our lives, uh, which which ultimately is you know Ecclesiastes has been such an incredible book for me because it's about like none of us really control anything. So let's just be honest about that. And the end of the matter <laughs> is to fear God and keep His commandments. And so I just feel like there's something uh, important about us looking at um, pop culture and um, and especially dystopian, you know, sort of fiction as a way of understanding, you know, kind of a a, a way of inserting a sacred a sacred frame, a, a reality of like why does embodiment matter? Uh, why why does the incarnation matter? And um, and anyway, I think it's a you know little, little nerd moment. I love this conversation though. You know, I'm sad this isn't all Joe Rogan in a seven hour podcast. But, uh, <laughs> this is, this is really good. What are you going to say, Dave? I was going to say, David, when you said there, like control, um, one of the questions you sent me is like, what, are, what is on your mind as you reflect on 2021? And I just, yeah. I was thinking what was on my mind as I reflect back on 2020 or 2021 is how control is an illusion. That's, hmm. that's basically what I've been reflecting on. Control hmm. is an illusion. And privileged people, that illusion works for them until you know the bottom falls out. Um, but most of the world realizes this and has realized the last two years that control is illusion. And um, I've just been reflecting on that a lot and how I try to control all kinds of things. My wife is due in a couple of days, January 3rd. And, um, and I have no control of when my son comes and what it will be like is our second child. And um, I have to, this morning practicing, I have to learn to give up control. I want to control. I want it to be like this, this thing, whatever. And, but that's, I mean, leaders are like that. They, they control outcomes. They, they learn how to control things to where people want to show up in a building and want to be part of your church because you have some level of control where you're shaping and you're curating um, this experience of God and, and this, this, this knowing him and this, but learning that it's all illusion. I think we've learned that last couple of years and we'll continue to learn it. And it's a good thing. It's a good lesson to learn that control is an illusion. So I give up this need for control and I'm open. I open myself to God and what God, what God has for our future. In my scripture reading this morning, I was, uh, came, came across Jesus line that says, you know, whom the son says free is free indeed. And so when we're free from our illusions of control for example like we're really free to live in a new and better way and um you know that felt like that's a been something i've i've been 
you know, certainly reflecting on this idea of what do you control, what don't you control, really nothing. Uh, with parenting three young adults, 22, 20, and, and 17, uh, with losing my wife a year and a half ago, with, you know, running a business through COVID, with trying to help the church, with, you know, all sorts of things that you sort of, you imagine. And, and then God gives us agency and gives us something to do in the world, which we do affect, you know, real change in, in our environments and the, the faithful choices that we make for sure. So there's something there, but uh, the, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Mm. This is good, man. Any um, resolution or hope that you have as you move into 2022, Dave? Yeah, I mean, my resolution as I as I go into this next year, um, it's really this last last couple of months that I've been like trying to do it. I'm like, I'm going to resolve, and it's just really to enjoy the community God has has called me to lead, to enjoy, mm. Um, mm. enjoying uh, greeting people. Whether you know, sometimes it's there's not as many people in the room as you as you as you had hoped, and um, your sermon isn't as good as you thought it was going to be in your head and um, whatever, you know, all that stuff, but to really enjoy the, the lives and the people that um, God has called me to lead, enjoy my community and the people and their stories and their questions and to enjoy them as people is the thing that I'm like trying to carry into the, into the future. Cause I, I don't really have control of anything. I can, yeah, I don't have that much control. I'm learning, but really enjoying the people that, that God has called me to lead is like my resolution. That is a fantastic place to stop. Dave Lomas, thank you so much for being with us on Church Pulse Weekly. Hey, leaders, on behalf of David Kinneman and I, uh, we're with you. This has been un, you know, <laughs> unbelievable over the last couple of years. Uh, we're going to try to make sense of it week after week. We're going to um, focus on some practical things and also some deep philosophical, theological, theoretical things we need to to be pondering on this podcast that are close to the church and church leaders. Make sure you join us, um, set some time aside. We're going to be bringing you the state of your church. David and I and the whole team at Barna and Beyond will be bringing you a live webcast that we will be so excited to be able to share with you. Um, and you can register at barna.com slash state of your church. So we're very excited for that and uh, hope you'll be joining us for the live stream of that. In the meantime, um, happy new year and uh, thanks for hanging in there in 2021. Hey leaders, again, we want to give a thank you to our sponsor for today's episode, MetaShare. You can go to metashare.com slash churchpulse to calculate your cost savings and see how much you could be saving on health insurance each month by switching to their services. That's metashare.com slash churchpulse. Thank you for listening to the Church Pulse Weekly Podcast. Join us next week for more insights on navigating constant change in an era of disruption and how to stay connected to the people in your church.